Thanks for listening to the Three Strands podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit us at threestrands.church. But uh, hey, if you're going to follow along in your Bibles with us today, when we start this new series, we're going to be in a couple different spots, but you can start off in Matthew chapter 27 if you want to flip there, starting a new series called Dear Jesus. And before all of you obsessive compulsive people or you English teachers in the room, come up to me afterwards and say that's spelled wrong. I know it's spelled wrong. That's why we made the E a different color. All right. So uh, the name of the series we're starting today is called Dear Jesus. And it's a play on words from a song written in the Bible in Psalm chapter 42. We're going to look at it in just a second. Um, But it kind of got me, when I was putting together the series, I kind of started thinking about this whole idea of like, I really just want to love Jesus better. I want to love him um, like the kind of person I would write like a sweet love letter to and just like really know what it's like to be fully loved by him, to never doubt it, to always be sure of it, to, to just know what it's like to be up close to him every day. And you'll kind of see where we get the idea from in, in Psalm 42. But before I do that, I want to just um, kind of hit a couple things real quick. And the first one is Stephanie and I have spent a lot of time out of town the last two weeks and we're spending a lot of time out of town this coming week too. So I'm like a truck driver this week is what it feels like the last couple of weeks, but we've been putting a lot of mileage on the vehicles and stuff. So uh, we'll be gone again a lot of this week, but when we, right before we left a couple of weeks ago, something happened at our house that I don't want to say it only happens in McCreary County. I don't want to say that, but it definitely doesn't happen where I grew up. Okay. So um, I think I brought a picture of it. Do I have a picture like next? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this, we look out the window, and there's like a cow just like trotting down the middle of the road, you know? And I was like, what just happened here? You know, like where I grew up, you call animal control if that happens. Here they just call like the neighbor and be like, do you know whose cow's out? You know what I mean? And so uh, it's wild animals where I live. I'm like, there's wild animals in the street, I'm thinking, you know? And uh, do I get any other pictures on that? I think I got another one. Our kids loved it. They thought that was just wonderful. They started talking to the cow. They named it Moo the Cow. And as soon as they named it Moo the Cow, it went Moo. It was like right on top, right on cue. And so, uh, but that doesn't happen just anywhere. I need you to know that. That's like a unique thing. But like weird things can happen at your house around here. You know that? Like strange things that don't happen in other places in the world. It's, it's a unique place around here. It's a unique place. So be careful when you go out the door. Look first. Because you don't know what's going to be in your yard or on the street. And so you want to be careful, but I, uh, I want to read you this passage in Matthew chapter 22. We're just going to read it and kind of let it um, sit with you. But there's this situation where Jesus is approached by this crowd of people, and they ask him this question. I'm going to rephrase it a little bit for us today, but the question they ask him is, hey, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in all the Bible? What is the most important or greatest commandment in the whole Bible? Of everything that God said that he gave us, What's the most important thing he said? And that makes a lot of sense to me because I think a lot of times people can look at the Bible and maybe their first thought could be something like, there's a lot in there. I can't do all that. Like I need somebody to give me like the, is you got like the Bible cliff notes and it's like a little yellow, you know, with black, you guys seen cliff notes. You know you use those to cheat in school, Dustin. Don't, don't pretend like you read the books. And so like you need the cliff notes. And so it's like, I could almost say that to Jesus too, like, Hey, man, there's a lot in there, and I don't feel like I can do it all every day. So if you were going to just sum it up and give me the most important thing I need to make sure I get to today, what would it be? And Jesus answers. I'm going to read it to you. It's in Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. This is what he says. 
Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then he goes on, he digs deeper, and he says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets, everything that's recorded in the Bible for us, everything that God told Moses to write, everything that God told all the Old Testament prophets to write, everything that's recorded for us can be summed up. It's all based on these two commandments. Love God and love people. All right, so if you think of the Bible as this humongous book with all these rules and regulations, and you're like, I can't do all of those. You know, I'll never be enough. I'll never be good enough. Let's just stop thinking of it that way for today at least. And let's shrink it down to just those two things. What if we just fell in love wholeheartedly with Jesus? What if we just loved other people like we love ourselves? What if we tried to take care of the people in our world like we take care of ourselves? And what if we tried every day to be more and more in love with God? Could we sum it up that way just for today at least? This kind of like helps me set the framework for this series. Because I don't want to keep a bunch of rules and not really love Jesus. And I don't want Jesus to give me like a bunch of blessing and, and help my life out a lot but me not really know who he is or how he feels about me. I want to be in love with him. I want to love him like a brother loves a brother. I want to be like a child to him. I want to know what all those relationships feel like. The Bible like, spends a lot of time comparing us um, to family relations with the Lord, as if he's our father, and that there's a friend like Jesus that sticks closer than a brother, and that we're meant to be his bride that he marries intimacy and connection on like a heart level. And I want to have that with him. And I want you guys to have that with him also. That's really what this series is all about, that you would get to the end of it and you would be able to think of Jesus in terms of like writing a love letter when you got something to say to him. Like, dear Jesus, I just want to spill my heart to you today. I just want to get honest and real about how I feel. And then in turn, you would be like this deer we're going to look at in Psalm 42 today. Stuff happens just like that. You can be rolling along, having the best day ever, and one phone call can wreck it, can't it? You can be having an awful day, and some girl kind of wink at you, and you have a, all of a sudden, it's a good day. Am I allowed to tell that story? Am I allowed to tell that story? That's one of the funniest things I said at camp. That's one of the funniest things I said all week at camp. You know, listen, if you didn't hang out with so many girls, you'd know which story I was talking about, all right? We were walking back to the room the last night at camp, and I spy Maddox all by himself talk, you know, talking up two girls. And so uh, I'm with Stephanie, and we're just walking past. And I just kept walking. I said, Maddox, you talking to these girls? Your girlfriend at home is not going to like that. And just kept walking. Ah, oh, and they were both like, oh, Maddox, you got a girlfriend. So, uh, yeah, but stuff can change just like that. I mean, they went from loving Maddox to wanting to punch him in the face. You know, just like that. And that's how it works in life, right? You can go from, like, having a great day to an instant accident or phone call or conversation or unkind word that just wrecks it all. And the opposite is true too. You know, it doesn't always happen like you go out of town and a bunch of good news drops like it did for me. You know, I hear about people becoming Christians and wanting to join our church and us having land kind of dropped in our lap from the Lord and uh, um, all that stuff kind of like happening all at once. Your friends getting engaged. 
And you're thinking, great, you know, I want to be the ring bearer. Can I be the ring bearer? I don't know, something. I don't know, but probably not, huh? You got to be smaller to do that. But um, all this stuff happened. And then on top of that, Stephanie and I are trying to eat healthier, right? We're trying to eat healthier. And I had set a goal. I'm trying to lose 20 pounds in like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. Because <laughs> that's the rate I need. And then, uh, so, and I was down, before we went to camp, I was down like 12 pounds from where we started. I was like, that's good. I'm feeling good. But now we're going to camp. It's like, I'm not taking my own food. I don't know how it's going to go. I was like, well, I'm not going to like be a like weirdo at camp, you know, like sit at the table just drinking water and eating like a one saltine or something. So I, uh, I just kind of ate normal at camp. And, you know, if I wanted to eat, I ate. And I got home and I was the exact same way. I didn't gain any weight because I had to chase people around all, all week. So it's like, I, I guess I just burned extra calories or whatever. So it's like, I was thankful for that. But sometimes it doesn't work like that. And uh, a couple weeks before we went to camp, I went out and did some work in our yard. I know you're thinking, you, know, you look like the kind of guy who would do a lot of work outside. Right? That's what you're thinking, right, Sam? And I am. I mean, I'm an outside guy, right? I mean, no, I could live my whole life without going outside again, honestly. But, so, uh, but I had to do it. So I go outside, and I, I'm trying to do some landscaping. You know, landscaping is hard work. Like you're dripping with sweat. It's hot out there. And no matter how hard you work, it's going to have to be done again next year, you know? So it's like you can't ever really get done. And so I'm busting. I'm trying to, like, work on some flower beds. And I put in a mailbox and all this stuff. We should have done that nine years ago, you know? And uh, I took a picture of some of it. I think I got it in there. Here's a picture. It looks pretty good, right? I put some rocks down, and I started watering the plants. You know, if you water the plants, they do better. I didn't know that, you know? I just, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, it's not a thing, right? We, we kill off vegetation, and there's still like about a third of the vegetation there was when we moved in. And I was feeling pretty good about it. I was feeling so good about it that just about every night for like two weeks, I went outside and I'd water stuff. I didn't even know if it needed water. I was watering the sidewalk. And like, I just thought it was so cool. I was like, it's working. And so I just kept watering stuff. And stuff was growing in. You could see like a roses coming in on a rose bush. And whatever these yellow things are in the front, I don't know. Orchids, flowers. I don't know what they are. Dustin, what are those? I don't know petunias, I don't know. And so I'm watering stuff, and it's looking good. But then we had to leave for two weeks. And I said to Stephanie, I was like, oh, man, nobody's going to be around to water the plants and stuff. So like, I, don't know. I don't know if they'll make it or not. I don't know. I don't even know how much they need. I wasn't sure if I was there. I was just dousing them every night. I don't know. I could have been overwatered. I just watered them until water started running out into the sidewalk. Then I stopped. I didn't know if that was the right, I don't know if that's the approach or not. But, uh, and so then we came back after being gone like two weeks, and then the, this is what it looked like after we got back. See? And it was like real discouraging. And where I had rose bushes, I had tumbleweed. And I was like, that's not good. And so like, I was real discouraged by that. See, sometimes you can go away for a little bit, and in an instant, like, things can go bad, too. And things can get worse, and you're like, oh, it can be discouraged both ways, right? And so uh, what I want to talk with you about today is this idea I call the thirst quencher. Anybody know what that comes from? See how well the marketing is. Yeah, all right, excellent. For many, many years now, actually, and, to, and still to this day, that's been the Gatorade slogan, right? You can find it on every Gatorade bottle, the thirst quencher, right? And I did some um, research this week, kind of looking up all these drinks that are out there, Coca-Cola and Pepsi and Powerade and Gatorade and, uh, I don't know, Hi-C and Kool-Aid and all this stuff. And I just Googled to look back through, like, all of their slogans throughout time. You know, the real thing and, uh, you know, the, the stuff. Uh, Pe- it used to be Pepsi or something. I think the real thing or Coke or something like that. I can't remember now. But, and uh, I found some that were, like, you know, that I remembered, like, from being a kid. And some that were older than me and all that. Some of them were really corny. Like, if you find the ones they used in, like, 1920, 
It's like, I can't believe people talked like that, you know? But there was like a lemonade one that said, like, lemonade yourself. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, but then, of course, there was like, you know, Sprite is like, uh, obey your thirst. You guys have heard that probably. And then, of course, Gatorade, the thirst quencher and all that stuff. But I was looking at all those this week, kind of coming up with some thoughts for this series. And I came across this quote. Maybe you've heard this before. But the quote says, a drop of water is worth more than a bag of gold to a thirsty man. Is that true? I don't know if you've ever been that thirsty. It's one of the problems with our country is that we're so blessed, we don't even hardly know what it means to be hungry or thirsty, really. But if you've ever been super thirsty, you'd probably rather have a drink of water than a bag of money. You're like, no, there's a corner store. I can, I can, if they give me that money, I can find a dollar general anywhere in this country now, so I could just take it there and get something. But it's like you'd rather have a drink than money. And so I want to talk with you about this idea of the thirst quencher. Because I believe that each of us has this thirst inside of us that the Bible describes. It's kind of like an empty void. An openness that you want filled. And, and, it, and it's made up of a lot of different things. Connection with other people. Belonging. Part of something bigger than yourself. Um, a real intimacy with your creator. The Bible describes kind of all these things that create this hole in the middle of us. And we want it to be filled. We have this thirst that we want to be quenched. That we want to feel satisfaction from. And so we went to camp this week, and they were like, all the drinks at camp were like caffeinated and sugary, right? I don't know if you've ever been to summer camp. It's like they're trying to, I don't know, hype you up on sugar or something. I don't know. And so I'm looking around. All, it was like water or sugar and caffeine. That was all they had. And I mentioned to the one guy, because they had like in the, they had this, okay, they had this room at camp called the adult lounge. That sounds like real shady, doesn't it? And in the adult lounge, they had adult beverages, that even sounds worse. And all the guys were like, can you go into the adult lounge and get us adult beverages all week? I was like, well, it sounds worse than it is. It was just a room that only the adults could go in is all it was. And the be adult beverages were like lemonade, but it was like they, they didn't make it available at lunch. And Maddox got addicted to the lemonade, by the way. I think, he had, he thinks that, I think they had heroin in it maybe. But like, uh, so Maddox was addicted to it. And all week, and so they had like these two huge coffee, um, what do they call those things that are drip machines or what are they? I don't know. And, and so I'm thinking, well, maybe one of them's decaf, one of them's regular. So I asked the girl the one morning, I'm like, is one of those decaf? And she says, uh, no, they both got caffeine. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, well, it's camp, so we know you guys need it to stay awake. And I'm like, need it to stay awake? I need you to fill one of those up with NyQuil so I can go to sleep at night when they're all loud. You know what I mean? Like, I need the opposite effect. And so they had all these sugary drinks and, and caffeinated drinks and Maddox secretly with one in a paper bag, like drinking it out in the, you know, trying, he's addicted to it. But like thousands of years before Sprite said, obey your thirst, and Gatorade said that they're the official thirst quencher, thousands of years before that, God claimed to be the thirst quencher. And Jesus stood up and said that I'm the living water and I will satisfy and quench all your thirst. And so I'm not saying they stole it from him, but he just said it first. And so I want to read you this passage that the series is kind of based on. It's in Psalm 42. It's 11 verses, but just hang in there with me and kind of get the picture, because this is song lyrics. This guy's writing a song about how he feels. And this lyric can almost be like a modern-day country song, because there's so much discouragement, depression, and like, you know, bad times in it. But like, listen to it. It's in Psalm 42. Let me read you the chapter. It starts like this. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? 
Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is your God? Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged. But I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas and as your waves and surges, surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged and why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now, I don't know if you picked up on it in those 11 verses, but this guy's bummed. He uses words like, I'm discouraged. All I have is my tears. Uh, my enemies are all against me. They're making fun of me. They're making fun of me is so severe that it makes me feel like my bones are breaking. Where are you, God? Why have you abandoned me? You ever feel like that? Here's, here's what he's saying. I got this hole in my life. I don't even know where it's to start. I don't even know what to do to change it. And it feels like everybody and everything has abandoned me and I'm thirsty to have it satisfied. Look back at verse 1 again. Look back at verse 1 again. Just like the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? It's like he knows that what's missing in his life is this intimacy with God. Man, if I could just be more in love with God, wouldn't be so bad. So I want to talk to you today, today about how Jesus wants to quench that thirst. This guy sounds like me a lot of times. I know what it's like to be in those moments. Maybe it sounds like you too, desperate for some different life, def desperate for a better life, desperate for just a little drink of God's help. So flash forward a thousand years from that song, and you come to Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus is at this festival one day in John chapter 7, and he stands up in the middle of the festival and he shouts out to everybody. And I want to read you what he shouts out. This is what he says in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes can come and drink. What's he mean? I love that. I love it how he connects the two ideas. We're going to connect them here in just a second, but I kept saying it to myself over and over this morning. Anyone who's thirsty can come to me. Anyone who believes can come and drink. Anyone who's thirsty can come to me. And anyone who believes can come and drink. And it just felt like Jesus was saying, 
There's this connection between your thirst and your belief. Anyone who's thirsty can come to me. Anyone who believes in me can come and drink. And he connects these ideas. So let me just give you three ideas from what Jesus shares here in this passage, okay? I got verse 38 on there too. Let me read it, okay. Yeah. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Jesus is saying, come to me if you're thirsty. I got your back. All right, so here's what Jesus is saying in this. If you're a note taker, write these three things down. They're going to help your week, I promise, if you stick them. Stick them in your mind and keep repeating them yourself. So here's the first one. You ready? You have to choose to be quenched. You want your thirst quenched? You got to choose it. Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes may come and drink. He doesn't say anyone who's thirsty will come to me. He says anyone who's thirsty may come to me. You know, everybody that's thirsty doesn't come to Jesus. Everybody that's got a hole in their life and has tried it their own way, everybody that's obeying their own heart instead of God's heart, they don't all come to Jesus. Some of them just go to something else. But if you want your thirst quenched, you have to choose to have it quenched. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. See, Jesus is for everyone, but everyone isn't for Jesus. And Jesus isn't going to, like, strap you down and waterboard you with living water. He's not going to force feed you his love. He's going to say it's for anyone, but only if you want it. So you have to choose to be quenched. You have to choose it. Look back at the end of verse 11 in Psalm 42, and this guy is discouraged, depressed, feeling miserable. Look how he ends his song in verse 42, or verse 11. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. He doesn't say, I have to. He says, I will, because it's a choice. Here, I don't know if you understand this or not, but hope is a choice. Circumstances can be awful, but I can still decide to put my hope in God. I can still decide that tomorrow could be better, that God's got a better future down the road for me. I can choose my hope. I can choose to come to Jesus. I can choose to drink what he's offering. It's a choice. Here's the second thing Jesus is saying in this passage in John 7. You have to be thirsty to get quenched. Did you see that in the verses? Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes may come and drink. Anyone who's thirsty, not just a few people, everyone can do it, but only if they're thirsty. I mean, a lot of people don't even know they're thirsty. They don't even think they need God. They think they got it all figured out. That's okay. There's people in our church just like that. I want you to know, I love you, so I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I pray as hard as I can that God would just let the hammer drop on your life. I want it to be so awful that you'll have nowhere to turn for help but him. Because for most of us, that's how we turn to Jesus. It's got to just be awful. Life's just got to bite. And when it bites bad enough, then we'll beg God for help. And so I love you. I don't want you to suffer. But I want you to suffer until you decide to do it Jesus' way. Until you decide to come to him and drink. Until you decide to believe in him and have your thirst quenched. I definitely want that. But Jesus never demands that we become more to be satisfied. 
In fact, he demands the opposite. He demands that we become less to be satisfied. And when we become less, and when we decide to stop making our life about our feelings and about ourself and about whatever we want to accomplish, and instead about faith and trusting him, he becomes the more for us. What do I mean? I mean, when you start loving God and loving people. So he doesn't force it on us. And he doesn't want you to become more. He wants you to want him. And he wants you to become weaker, not stronger. And it reminded me of the story in John chapter 4 where Jesus comes up on this woman at a well and he starts to tell her all the things she's ever done that were sinful. And she's blown back by that. And he says to her, you need living water. And if you would drink the water I have, you'd never be thirsty again. Some of you live your whole life thirsty. And some of you know that means like multiple things. And I mean all of them. Some of you live your life so thirsty, hopping from relationship to relationship, hopping from quick fix to quick fix, trying everything in the whole world to satisfy your life, your urges, your desires, everything except what Jesus says to do. And this lady was on her fifth, fifth husband. She actually, she, was, she had been married five times and she was with another guy already. It wasn't even her husband. She was on number six. How many times has it got to all fall apart before you're willing to come to the living water? That's a good question. But Jesus doesn't condemn her. He doesn't smack her around. He just says, you need what I'm offering. You need living water. No matter how many mistakes you made, she doesn't have to get better. She just needs to come to him and drink. Here's the third thing he's saying. You ready? You have to drink the right stuff to be quenched. Now, anybody that's like my age or like maybe five, six years older than me, anywhere in that gap, or like really old like Kenny, you remember that as being like the right stuff baby. Uh-huh, right? Is that, is that the right stuff? Kenny, you know, where's Chad at? You know Chad had a, a, a New Kids on the Block poster in his room, right? And you know you had like a signed Donnie Wahlberg. Come on, Kenny, admit it. You know you did that dance. <laughs> Yeah, the right stuff, baby. Uh -huh. I'm not going to sing it for you, but look it up. You'll see. Ask Trey. He'll know. But uh, yeah, you have to drink the right stuff to be quenched. can't just drink any old thing. What does Jesus say? Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. All roads don't lead to heaven and all dogs don't go to heaven. I'm sorry to break the news to you. All gods aren't equal, and every religion isn't valid. We talked about something at camp with just the adults and said this, like, everybody today wants to tell you that all roads of faith lead to God, and all religions are equally valid, and so as long as you believe something, you'll get to the right place in the end. And we all decided that that's super insulting to every single religion in the world, because not one religion in the world would tell you that the other ones are all good. They would all say they're the only way. And yet somehow we've developed this philosophy that they're all good. We can just believe anything we want. And so whether it's Jesus or Buddha, whether it's some snake oil salesman, whether it's some yoga class we're taking, whether it's like the sunset we saw that's set the right way, whether it's the tarot cards we play or the Ouija board we bust out. Ouija board is what like kids did before they had phones. I don't know. Bad, bad kids, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to do that because it was satanic. You know, so. 
It wasn't really satanic. It was just a bunch of kids, like, moving the thing around on their own. <laughs> so, but anyhow, so I'm just saying, okay. So, uh, but, and so uh, don't go play with Ouija boards. You didn't hear that today. Don't just hear what you want to hear, all right? But, and so, uh, yeah. But you got to drink the right stuff, and Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that can give you living water. I called it in my notes, Jesus juice. Is that okay? Write down your notes if you're a note taker. Write down Jesus juice. Just be like, I need Jesus juice this week. Jesus juice. I'm going to tell you what it is in just a second, but just Jesus juice, right? Got to be that and that alone. Is that what you're drinking? I mean, what is Jesus even talking about here? He's the living water. Jesus juice. And so in verse 39, Jesus is going to tell us, I'm going to read it to you because I'm always looking at the Bible thinking like, if only somebody would explain it. Jesus, it gets explained. Can I read it to you? What's he mean, living water? What is it? Here it is in verse 39. When he said living water, oh, I love it. They're spelling it right out for us. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. What's he talking about? What do you need? What is living water? I don't understand, Jesus. You're speaking all metaphorical-like. Living water is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is like, if you come to me, if you believe in me, I'm going to give you living water. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit with all of his power and all of his peace and all of his wisdom and all of his compassion and courage. He's going to give you everything you need to love me and to love others. And without me, you're always going to feel empty. Only Jesus provides what I really need. And I want to invite you to taste and see that God is good today. Because the world is trying to convince you that he's bad. That he's against everyone and everything. And his book is a book of rules trying to keep you down and make you unhappy. That his book is a bunch of hate. That you hate people if you follow Jesus. The world is trying to sell that to us today. But I want you to know he's a good God. And he has good plans for you. And he has a future and a hope for you. And it's based on surrender to him. If you will come to him, if you will believe him, he will in exchange give you living water. He will in exchange give you the Holy Spirit who will empower you and give you everything you need to have an abundant life. That's the Jesus we're talking about today. There's this passage in the Old Testament where God's upset with his people because they've bailed on him. Just like we bail on him all the time. We bail on him and do our own thing. And so God's upset with them. And he's going to have a talk. He's going to sit them down and have a talk with them. Like sometimes you got to do with your kids. And in that talk, he tells them exactly why he's upset. Thank you, God, for telling us. Because I have a feeling he's upset with us about the same two things. He says in the verse that they've done two evil things. I'm going to read them both to you. And you tell me, or this is rhetorical. You think about it, and you decide if you do the same two evil things. You ready? It's in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. This is what God says to his people. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. It's even worse than I thought. Not only have you abandoned the only source that can really satisfy you by trusting in your own feelings instead of trusting in your faith in God. 
Not only have you abandoned the God who created you, not only would you turn our back on him and walk the other way, but as we're walking away, we go ahead and make our own container to hold water, and it's full of cracks and holes, and we keep filling it up with water, and the water keeps pouring out, and then we get angry at him that he doesn't let our life be more satisfying. We fill it up with all kinds of stuff. Our greed and our selfishness, our lust and our anger. And we run to that stuff as if it's a security blanket and we're Linus running around the county. Oh, and I got to have my alcohol because it, it takes the edge off. And I just need you to get out of my face because you're making me angry. And I got to have a brand new girl because the old one's not good enough anymore. And you hop from drug to drug to drug trying to self-medicate your life. And as you fill it up more and more, it just keeps pouring out the bottom more and more. And you're left thinking, like, why am I so depressed? Why am I so anxious and discouraged? Why is everyone against me? God, why have you abandoned me? And he's like, you abandoned me. You're choosing all the things I tell you to run from. And you're resisting all the things I offer you. What if you did it my way just once? What if you came to me to drink? What if you believed what I'm telling you and you'd never be thirsty again? You don't even know what it feels like. See, I could make, I want to read you something I wrote in my notes. I could make the best meal ever, but I'd still get hungry again. I could drink the sweetest lemonade, pomegranate blend from Cedarmore. I could drink the sweetest lemonade in the world. but I'd still get thirsty again. I could live the best life I could possibly live, but I'd still feel hollow inside and unsatisfied because only Jesus can give me the living water that actually satisfies my life, fills me up permanently, and quenches my thirst. Whether it's a cool drink from his word that energizes us, a jetted tub of his faithfulness that massages away all the concerns of our day, a warm drink of his love that reminds us of his presence when we're cold inside, or a hot shower of his mercy that forgives and washes away all my worst mistakes every morning. Only Jesus can provide what I really need. And you get the opportunity today to taste and see if he's good or not, if he satisfies or not. I want to end today with giving you three questions. Can I do that? You answer them for yourself. Here's the three questions. Number one, are you thirsty? Because if you got it all worked out and everything you're doing is working, you don't need Jesus. Go do your thing. Go do your thing. And when you stand in front of him someday, good luck talking him through it. Why you rejected him. But are you thirsty? Do you need him? Number two, do you want to be quenched? Do you want your thirst to be quenched? And number three, will you drink only the Jesus juice? Will you drink only the Jesus juice? But Jesus' way is harder. I know, but you don't even know how great it is when you do it. I was thinking, I was hearing kids in our group all week at camp say to all these staffers who are there making like, you know, 18 cents an hour, like prison wages, and they're there all summer, like running from like dawn to midnight, all summer, no days off hardly. And I heard some of the kids in our group say to them like, why do you guys do this? How do you do it? I couldn't do it. Stuff like that all week, you know? And I just thought, like, okay, Raylan, it's going to get real here for a second. You ready? It's going to get real. I couldn't do what I do without Raylan. 
Like if people don't decide to follow Jesus, I'd quit. Because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. If everything was just getting up and preaching and studying and, and doing counseling with people and organizing stuff and doing administrative work and tracking finances, and if it was all that stuff, I'd quit. But it's not. When somebody walks away from everything to follow Jesus, it pumps you up. It quenches your thirst. It satisfies you in a way you don't know. And sadly, nope, so many people don't even know what that's like. You don't even know what it's like to wake up and just spend an hour talking to Jesus and reading what he has to say to you because we're so busy and we have to make a buck and I have to impress her and I have to get there. We never take time to just walk down to the creek and thirst for the water like the deer does and drink it up. We never take time to sit with the Lord and just tell him how we feel. We never take time to sit across the table with somebody else and tell them our story and ask them to follow Jesus. So we never get to see anybody else cross over from death to life. And that's why you don't keep going. You need the living water. You need Jesus to energize you. You need him and only him. I wonder if our crowd today is any different than the crowd that Jesus was talking to in John 7. Because after he shared those ideas with them, they all started having this argument amongst themselves. And one, one person would say, I like this Jesus guy. He's a good teacher. I like what he's saying. And another guy would say, I like this Jesus guy. He's the Messiah. He's like the Son of God. And some people would say, he's a lunatic. We ought to arrest him. And I wonder how many people in our room today, I bet you we've got the exact same three categories sitting here today. The people that hear all this stuff from God's Word, the people that hear us preach week after week, the people that listen to our band crush it song after song, and they stand or they sit in our crowd, and they think the exact same three things. I like this Jesus stuff. I come back next week. It was entertaining. Ha, this is all so stupid and foolish. Bunch of lunatics. I don't want anything to do with it. But then there's those that have ears to hear, and they hear it. And they say, this makes sense. Jesus really is the Son of God. I need what he's offering. The same three are sitting here right now. To those of you that hate all this stuff and you think it's all mumbo-jumbo and garbage, I'm just praying for you that the hammer will drop. The hammer will drop and you'll need God because you're not thirsty. For those of you that just think this is kind of cool and interesting and Jesus is a good teacher and the preacher makes some funny jokes about Maddox and, and the band sounds awesome so I like going, Praying for you that the hammer will drop because you're fooled into thinking that's enough. But for those of you that are here today and you think Jesus is the one and only Son of God and you need the water he's offer offering because everything you've tried so far has still left you unsatisfied, today's the day. And I don't care what anybody sold you before or what anybody tried to tell you. You don't get to heaven because you say some magic prayer and you don't get to heaven because you walk down an aisle and you don't have to have me put a blessing on your life. It doesn't work like that. Jesus is saying, I am the living water. If you believe, you can come to me and drink. Do you believe him or not? And your conversation with the Lord can be as simple as like, I believe, God. I believe that Jesus is the living water and I want everything he offers. And in that moment, you know what he gives you? Anybody remember? Living water, the Holy Spirit 
Unlimited power. Itty bitty living space. That's from Aladdin. All right. You got it? You don't need me to give a fancy invitation. I don't have to pray and wait 30 minutes until the last person raises their hand. You want to be with Jesus or not? If you want to go at your own, go at your own. We're not going to beg you. We're not going to coerce you. We're not going to trick you. But if you want to jump on the bandwagon and experience real peace and freedom in Jesus' name, today can be the day. Don't miss out on it. I'm so thankful that I've been part of it from day one at this church, that I get to see Jesus pour out land for our church, watch him build a building, watch him cross people from death to life, baptize people that want to get their life right with the Lord. I get to see it, and it pumps me up inside. And I'm just begging you to jump on now if you want to jump on. And don't keep it a secret. Go tell people. Energize them. Why? Because you can't just love God. You also got to love them. Let's do it this week. Let's, like, let's just love Jesus more. What if we just love Jesus more this week? Loved him enough to love other people. Loved him enough to do it his way. Loved him enough to trust him with all the empty spots inside of us. What if we just loved him and woke up each morning just saying, like, dear Jesus, I just want to love you better today. Can I pray for you guys? Dear God, thank you for our church. Thank you for those who are here today with ears to hear. I pray you would just give all of those who recognize you're the source of living water and you're the only one that can quench their thirst, that you would give those people the courage to cross over from death to life by surrendering their will to yours and saying maybe for the first time in their life that they trust you. They trust you for everything. They believe everything you're saying. And in that moment, I thank you for empowering them with your Holy Spirit. God, give them the courage to cross over, to have that conversation with you, and then to go and tell somebody in the room about it so they don't have to walk through it alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.